Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer, and I said that with a little weight behind it. And you know what? Sometimes it's a burden to be Matt Dwyer. So many people want me. (laughs) Uh, If you haven't listened to the show before, it is just what the title implies. I have a conversation with somebody. Uh, I try to keep it loose and open. Uh, And uh, it's usually somebody who's uh, very fascinating and took pity upon me and decided to share 50 minutes of their life with me. Um, If you like my theme music, by the way, that's a band called Les Blanks. Uh, Check them out. And also, if you do, if you're a lover of music, then you're going to love this episode. I talk with Sonny Smith of Sonny and the Sunsets. He's one of my favorite songwriters, singer guys out there right now. Uh, And he also does another project called um, 100 Albums, I think. I hope I didn't screw that up. Uh, I'm very tired lately. Uh, But where he does uh, different, he creates different bands and writes, uh, puts out an album. It's like a compilation of different bands and different genres, but it's all pretty much Sonny Smith and... uh, I uh, didn't know much about Sonny Smith going into this, uh, but I'll tell you this, by the end of it, I really like this guy. He's, uh, we have a great conversation, and uh, he's very open and candid about life and things. Uh, please go check out his music, uh, and he's got a country album. He's got a, he's got a, a good body of work, and uh, he's a really interesting, great songwriter, and a super-duper dude. So here it is, me conversing with Sonny Smith. Again, I, one of the things I noticed that you were listed as it was a monologist, which I uh, was uh, thought was cool and uh, was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I've never actually seen the word monologist behind my name, but <laughs> but um, I did have I did do a kind of Spalding Gray esque monologue in the theater last year. And um, trying to make a record of it as well. Oh, that's cool. It, so it was. It, this wasn't a uh, consistent thing that uh, you, that you did a ton of, I guess. It was like a six-week run at a little theater in San Francisco, um, and then it was over. So it was just a one-shot deal. Oh, I've, I mean, I've done I've done similar things before. So, but but. Um, but they they kind of exist for a couple months and then pretty much they go. Oh, but you did like when you were younger, didn't you do some theater stuff and or am I crazy? Um, I didn't. I've never really been in the theater world at all. I've done some plays, um, but they've all they've all been kind of um, uh, outside like the the sort of proper theater world. More more. I did some. I did a play at a at a um, sort of makeshift theater in the Bay Area a few years back, and then I, I did one that was kind of like a monologue and a play, I guess, um, a blend. That, but I did that like in the clubs, like where I would play, you know, with my band and stuff. So it was, which it was, in some ways was kind of harder, but also more rowdy and sort of fun. Yeah, I mean, it's, a lot of your songs are story. As there's that one song, and forgive me for not knowing the name of it, but where you the about the uh, writer, and he asks to borrow the money <laughs> from his friend, and he's like, "Fuck the world." It's such a great, great song. Like I, I was playing it in a bar, and 
people, a ton of people were like, what is that? That's amazing. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, that, 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 that particular song, um, ended up becoming sort of the genesis of the monologue that I did. So I sort of expanded on that story and then it was all about being sort of a broke artist and, you know, trying to figure out why, if it was really worth it to continue and how it was kind of screwing up my life. And I wish I could just stop, but but it's almost like a curse. And <laughs> uh, Yeah, I was saying, saying that to a friend of mine uh, yesterday is that I come from the generation that they were really... Um, hard on selling out like it, that was a super and I was like man I because I, now I'm in my 40s I'm like I wish we would have been a little easier on selling out because now we're all just going to watch our teeth fall out <laughs> I know what well that's yeah yeah it's kind of funny how things have changed it used to be if you if you had your song in a commercial or something you were yeah you were like a total sellout <clears throat> Now, now it's kind of like what we're all looking for. Yeah, I saw uh, the, uh, the Black Lips have a commercial, and I was actually kind of surprised that uh, to hear them in a commercial. Yeah, well, now when you hear somebody in a commercial, like I mean, I can't speak for anybody else, but it's, if I'm with a friend, or we're always kind of like, oh, good for them, you know, right on. Oh yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, uh, but um, you know. Well, there was always kind of a double standard on musicians, too, anyway, because if actors, you know, were doing weird commercial work, it was like they were working actors, you know. That was just their their working days, trying to get by, to, taking any gig they could get, you know. But the but musicians, if they sold a song to a car commercial, it was like, ah, oh, they're total sellouts. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, I have some friends who've, who've been fortunate to have, and it's like, you know, it's like then... They can live like human beings for a while. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, it's true. It's 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 a weird double statement. And it's older musicians, like in the fifties and sixties and stuff. I mean, the Doors had commercials and shit all the time. Same with the Who. Yeah, I don't know why. What what happened? How come all of a sudden in the eighties there was like this? I remember reading an article like the Tom Waits wrote or something that was all about how you shouldn't do that, you shouldn't sell out, which was, of course, easy for him to say because he had probably tons of record sales, you know, but like, but then it was like, it was cool because the article actually caught him and he had, they, they found some German commercial that he had made, you know, like for, for something, some product, you know, years before and was like, well, this guy's a total hypocrite. But, um, I mean, everything he said was legitimate in a way. You know, it's a legitimate argument. Like, you want your music to be, you know, or your art to be received in a certain way. And when you, you know, when you just, when it's just there to pimp out some stupid product, it it, it waters it down. But, but um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, when I, it, it, commercials kind of ruined the Beach Boys for me. It took me, like later in life to go back and because i just always associated it with sun with mountain dew yeah, oh, yeah, oh, oh. Th- yeah well the oranges oh, remember that was like a 70s commercial good vibrations or something yeah oh. yeah and i just i heard it their music so much on shitty commercials that i just i associated them with that for so long i so i was kind of stunted in my discovery of their music yeah 
but now it's kind of rad if you like go look up that commercial it's kind of a great little piece of art in itself <laughs> yeah it's, i mean there can be artistic commercials I, I just it's so weird that uh people close off their brains to that in a way and it's you know it's not like they're advertising uh for the nra or something <laughs> yeah well that, that that would be the big the big day you really have to go go up on the mountain and face yourself if like <laughs> the army wanted to use your song as the new recruitment song <laughs> then you'd be like wow how far am i willing to go with this <laughs> <laughs> and i was c- kind of wondering because if it it seems like so many because i have some friends they created a band solely as a side project to be licensed out because they just were getting you know and that way they don't sort of mess up their own bands and i wonder if a lot of that too is just because you can, you really just record sales and all that garbage isn't not garbage but like it's not like what it used to be with like uh radio and spotify or those what do you think of like spotify does that kind of screw you I don't really, I, I don't have any control over all that stuff. I don't feel like I do anyway. Um, cause, so I don't, I, I don't really th- think about it too much, any of those things. It, I mean, the truth is I get a lot of music for free off the internet too. So I can't really, I can't really complain if people get my music for free as well. Yeah. I, I, I used to be that, uh, I used to steal a lot of it and then I, really one day just woke up and felt like a really horrible person uh i still i i've also been illegally downloading movies and i've been getting these emails from comcast uh so, I, you didn't respond to them did you no but will they sh- will they shut off my internet or something you could always say your uh signal is it's like somebody just got onto your uh wi-fi they don't, yeah they don't really know I just telling my nephew did it. <laughs> that's what I did because I I downloaded a bunch of Boardwalk Empires and I was like, oh yeah, my my nephew was staying. That's the one I did. That's the one. That's the one I just got an email from. Wow, we're really people could find this this interview. I, I can I can edit that's that out. But. Just kind of oh, okay. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Season two and three. I got. It's like they figured out that I downloaded it. It's weird. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I could always give you my HBO Go pass, and then you're 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 golden, and you you don't have to do that. I've got a pen. Oh, I, I'll email it to you. Uh, okay. HBO is going to come at us with guns blazing. Yeah, you will have to edit this part. <laughs> uh, we'll just yeah, we'll get back to talking about your music and not our horrible uh, thieving days. All right. But uh, the other thing I think um, that really interested me, and I'm, I don't know if you probably get asked about it a lot, but your 100 records um, compilations that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was sort of the... Uh, do you, you do get asked about that a lot, don't you? Yeah, but that's okay. okay. It was an interesting project for me, so I don't mind talking about it. What, 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 was, what gave you the... Uh, what sort of inspired it? Um, well, it, I kind of came, I came upon it by accident to some extent. I was actually trying to write a book. I was trying to write, I actually was kind of like, um, screw music. Music hasn't been good to me. I'm going to write a novel. 
<laughs> I do that every uh, autumn. I do the same thing every year. I'm like, I'm writing novels. Fuck everything else. <laughs> yeah. And um, I got I got pretty far. I got through the first draft. I was proud of myself, and I was working on the second draft. And the book was about you know the book had a lot of characters that were sort of based on musicians that I knew and were sort of fiction fictional versions of of real musicians and I was going to I was drawing little pictures of what their albums might look like these fictional musicians and stuff and and then I kind of applied for a residency to sort of expand the idea of like drawing more pictures and I would thinking I'd put these pictures in the in the book you know every once in a while you just see a, a drawing in a book of what this character's record would look like and or a poster, or a gig poster, or something like that. And then um, I gave a couple. I kind of farmed out a couple of the ideas to some artists, and um, I was like, "Why don't you, you know, here's the idea. Why don't you draw the album artwork for this fictional guy?" And and it was and the first couple I did were so good that like the artist did such a good one, like a good version. I was like, I kind of felt like it. I felt compelled to sort of meet meet it on the same level, I guess, and and write a song that matched it, and then it kind of it just sort of domino affected like that, and until all of a sudden I was writing songs and getting artists to create these um, fictional albums that I was making that I had made up, and it kind of eclipsed the novel. Uh, and the book ended up sort of just getting stuck in a drawer, and the project sort of bloomed. So it's, that's how it happened. It's uh, it's pretty funny because uh, I have I work at a bar, and uh, I have most of those on a compilation that I play while I I bartend. And every time that one of those songs comes on from your hundred albums things. People are always like, "Who is this?" And then I'm like, "It's Sonny Smith." And they're always, it's like, they always they just never pick up on that because the songs are such a wide variety. Uh, people are always shocked it's the same guy. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of thought that um, I was never able to to like. I mean, there's I got guest singers too, you know. So sometimes it might sound like you know you might. It might be like, well, how does he make his voice like that? It's really not, it's not actually me um, singing. Um, but um, I, I, thought that, I, I thought that my range of abilities is, is actually kind of limited. So like a lot of it sort of sounded like me in the end, even if I was trying to sound like I tried to do it like a reggae song and stuff. And, you know, it's fun and everything, but it's, it's about a million miles away from reggae. It's it's bad reggae is what it is. You know what I mean? Like so, and it kind of works for for the project. Like the band that I made up might just be a bad reggae band. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not. You know, like it worked out, but it, it was kind of like um, everything that was made was definitely like in the range of of my limited ability. So. I thought I kind of thought it always to me it always kind of sounds like somebody trying to trying to do it rather than actually always succeeding. I guess is what I'm trying to say. What, what do you mean when you say your limited abilities? Well, 
like, you know, I have, like, one of the characters was like a soul singer, you know, like sort of 60s soul singer. I can't sing like that. So I just turned him into a mute, so it was like an instrumental. <laughs> That's And, you know, there was um, other things like that. You know, there was one that was supposed to be like a John Fahey kind of finger-picking character. I did my best finger-picking, but it's, it's no John Fahey. You know, like, so the character really is kind of like a... It's like somebody who was doing stuff like John Fahey at the time, but just kind of dissolved back into, never was that great, so went back to their day job, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> never really got the record deal. Because yeah. uh, when you said like, limited abilities, I, didn't, I wasn't 100% sure like, what you meant, because I, always, I found one of the things that's interesting about, I guess, you as an artist is it seems like you're constantly trying new things and growing and evolving, and I think you don't, uh, you don't I feel like you don't see that a lot. Uh, I mean, you definitely see it, but not as a lot of bands just sort of uh, stay in their sound and don't really go much further. And that's what I really appreciate about how you. Yeah, that's that's um, that's kind of become something I'm known for, but uh, which is fine. I'm happy to be that guy because I I do uh, I do like trying new things. And I, I think there's a part of me that kind of feels like um, this might sound weird, but it, it, it's good to keep an amateur kind of nature in your artwork. You know, like I mean, there's a time to be technically um, exceptional and everything, uh, but um, but it's also it's nice to keep a kind of naiveness in your in your work and if you do the same thing for 30 years it's kind of like I think you kind of lose that a little bit um, and if you keep trying new things somehow you I feel like you you keep that sort of naive innocent like ability uh, uh, whatever that is that ingredient in in, in the art do you, do you ever get a like um, is it ever get afraid when you're doing something completely new in front of an audience is because <laughs> I know yeah. yeah I well the monologue thing like I mean I was sick, uh, I never get um, sick before I play music it's very comfortable it's very easy um, I mean not easy always but you know what I mean like it's 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 it doesn't scare me and um but uh, every time before I got on stage, I mean, it was just me, you know, like, it's just, there's no guitar there, there's nothing to hide behind, there's nothing to kind of share the weight, there's no band behind you, so it was pretty naked, and, um, yeah, I just had, like, horrible, uh, almost, like, vomit kind of stomach aches every time before, and, and then afterwards I would go directly to the, there wasn't really a dressing room, because it was such a tiny little theater but there was like this area that was mine and I would just go and kind of like lie on the floor and bury my <laughs> bury my head for like 15 minutes because I was just it was, yeah it really took a lot uh, it was just affecting my nerves a lot more yeah I, are you gonna return to the the novel or is that you're just gonna let that sit I don't think it's very good I think I'm <laughs> 
I think I better let it let it just be. I um, I'm I'm embarking on a film project, and that's I've had a couple of days where I've just I was all planning to work on it, and then I just went and got in bed and got under my covers. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like uh, you're multi talented. I mean, because you, you were saying you were drawing and stuff. Is that was that sort of a product of your? Did you grow up in a creative environment, or was it just sort of shit you discovered as you went along in life? Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm kind of a late bloomer as far as um, being an artist. I, 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 and I didn't really make my first CD, I guess it was. I can't even say record, but until I was like 27, 28. I'm 41 now, and um, and um, when I was like the whole idea, like I meet artists all the time that who who are like 18 and are making a record, you know, or and stuff that it's changed, you know. People have gotten um, smarter about it at a younger age, I guess. And and I meet people who go to art school, and like when I graduated from high school, I didn't even know art schools existed. I was so naive and not um so i guess the short answer is no i wasn't really raised by like uh in a in an artistically inclined family i my dad was a banjo player and his his friends he definitely had friends who were artists i mean i don't mean to say it was like i didn't know what art was or anything and and to some extent i think he kind of he sort of he loved his artist friends. He kind of even idolized them a little, and I think it rubbed off on me too. Like, um, just like art was a sacred thing or something. But, but, um, um, but, but in the in the way of like you know, learning how to draw and dance and sing and all and like do all kinds of different things, it wasn't that kind of family. Um. People didn't like sit around and draw together. Um, there weren't paint supplies around, or you know, people. It just wasn't. I, I see families like that. I'm always in awe, but um, but mine mine wasn't quite like that. Uh, what? Why do you think you were a late bloomer? I don't know. I, I've often wondered that. I I, I just I, I went a weird direction when I. Graduated from high school, I sort of I went to Colorado and I I went to this call this little college. I didn't know what I was doing, and I ended up kind of failing failing out because I wasn't really interested in class and learning the piano. And that was kind of that was the first indication that I liked art better than anything else, I guess, or or music. You know, sort of. Got these gigs at a young age, playing piano um, at these little bars in in ski towns and stuff, which was a very, you know, it was exciting. But if you think about it, like kids that pursue arts don't go to Colorado, you know, (laughs) (laughs) they go to New York or L.A. or whatever, Chicago. You know, like they're smart. (laughs) I was, and then. Not only that, but like once I was kind of like playing, you know, music professionally at a young young age, like in these bars, 
instead of like then going to New York or Chicago or like whatever or um, you know pursuing it, I I totally just went to I went to Central America for like two years and lived on this commune. So I I, I um. I went again. I kind of went somewhere else. It's untypical place, you know. And I, I that was where I first started writing songs. Was down there, but um, which was cool and everything. But it was, you know, it was like the last place on on earth <laughs> where you're gonna like, you know, get anywhere. And then so I did, kind of didn't make my way back to San Francisco till I was like 25, you know. And then at 26 and then I was sort of yeah then I tried to like you know meet musicians and do stuff and that's why it kind of took me a lot a lot longer than kids I meet these days so yeah but it's it's interesting to me that I don't know you go to it seems better to me that you go to the commune and whatever because then it's like then you have more experiences I think sometimes people get so tunnel visioned on their on their career that I think they kind of lose something. Sometimes it becomes like kind of gross to me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, there's all kinds of scenarios these days. I mean, I think a lot of, I think there's, you know, actually I should, I mean, ever since I've been young and kind of into the arts, I've noticed that there's people that kind of and drop off as you go along, you know, like, I mean, it's probably true for most of us, but, I think about, like, when I was in college, there was, like, you know, I gravitated towards just this tiny, microscopic, like, little clan of sort of bohemian-esque kids, you know, that were into the arts. And and slowly, and it was kind of cool, you know, like, sophomore year to write poetry or something. And then they got, like, interested in their major, and they got, they got real, you know what I mean? Like, what, this, I got to put this away and do something that's you know, that's going to get me somewhere or whatever. They made a, made a, made a choice. You know, I remember sort of observing that and being like, wow, that's a cool, it's cool that you can do that. I can't, I can't seem to. (laughs) And then, and it was true. Like when I was like 23, 24, 25, like out of college, there was people still toying with the idea of being like a poet or something or being, being a, um, a painter or whatever and then I kind of noticed that they they got a job or something like that and 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 that sort of faded away and and then of with bands in their 20s you know a lot of people were really motivated and ambitious and then they got you know they started having kids and it slowly became it kind of receded into like a the distance like a hobby more than a life pursuit you know and and it still goes, you know. I still sort of know people that they they hit about thirty six, and then they're like, ah, fuck it, uh, <laughs> you know. I don't. Know. This is not worth it, you know. And or I'll see somebody who's like forty, and they'll be like, ah, I, we had this gig the other day, and my my drum pedal got stolen. I'm done. <laughs> 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 you know, it's like they get older and older and it just gets harder to kind of like stay I mean that's what that song is about as well that you liked you know the sort of monologue but it's it's harder to it's harder to stay stay focused on art you know as life gets more and more realistic and 
hard to stay poor forever, you know, if you haven't found that success and people drop off. Um, I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Am I answering a question? No, no, no. It was great. No, because it was funny because you brought back the song because I was thinking about the... Because you have a great line in that song about like how when you're in your 20s, it's kind of everyone admires that you're, you know, being creative. And then I I can't remember how you phrase it, but like, but when you get out of your 20s, it's not... Then it just... People just view you as you're like fucking off in life. And it's like... It's so true. My mother is completely perplexed by what the fuck I'm doing, and I'm almost 45. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, I think it's good, personally. I think we should all be doing it more, but perplexing our parents more. But, uh, I mean, it's hard. You know, it's hard to stay stay in it. Yeah, it's... uh... I mean, like, if I would have just been like, all right, well, I'm going to go sell insurance in, in Ohio and get married, like, I'd, I'd, I'd probably beat my children. I'd be so frustrated. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good. <laughs> I had a year like that, uh, uh, be, which is funny. Before I started writing this, trying to write the novel or whatever, I, I was like, I'm going to get a job as a social worker. And I, I actually went out and bought, like, a tie and a nice shirt and hired somebody to help me with my resume and I really hit the streets, you know, and went to all these interviews and stuff. And, um, and then I was like, I, you know, and I tried, I tried for like a few months, <laughs> which kind of sounds funny right now. But at the time I was like, God, months have gone by I'm wearing this tie. Um, and then I was like, Hey, we're going to get back to this uh, conversation with Sonny Smith in just a second. I just want to take this moment out to thank you very much for uh, listening to my show. Uh, If you could do me a favor, if you could maybe tell your friends about it, write a review on iTunes there. Um, and if you can, if I know I have an advertisement there at the top of the show, but they don't pay me dickus. Uh, so if you could, if you can, and you can find it in the generosity of your heart to donate some money to Feral Audio, uh, it, it takes a great deal for us to uh, run this network. And uh, we're do, doing a lot of these shows just out of uh, our own free time and whatnot. So go to my page there at Feral Audio, and you could donate some money. If you can't donate some money, you can go to my Amazon link there, and you could just. Um, Purchase some bullshit. You know what? Buy some Sonny Smith uh, records on the Amazon link, and then I get a kickback of that money, and uh, you support Sonny Smith, a great artist, and you support me, a not-so-good artist. (laughs) Um, And also follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore Dwyer, also, because then uh, you get links to my Tumblr page about the upcoming shows, and uh, my Tumblr page also has uh, the live shows I'll be doing. I'm doing a big tour at the top of the year. So please do that, and thank you very much. Yeah, there's always that hope within me that, like, one of these things is going to make everything in life okay. <laughs> and, but I'm like, you've been telling yourself that for, like, 20-something years. <laughs> like, when do you, like, go, oh, maybe maybe I should become a social worker. But I just, I don't, I don't know if it's, like you said, it's just not in you, and it's... Yeah, you gotta, you gotta just pursue, if you're into the arts or... Whatever you're into, you gotta. I think you gotta just, you gotta just do it and be prepared to suffer. <laughs> yeah, that sounds I mean, so bleak. God. 
uh, it seems like, I mean, again, too, a lot of people look at that sort of lifestyle a little weirdly, and it's like, we should kind of be, not to be cocky, but we should be praised a little bit. Like, we, we've we chosen to uh, sort of do something differently. <laughs> it's like, and it's not easy. No. I don't know if that's too self-congratulatory on my behalf. I think so. No, I'm just... <laughs> But, and are you, I'm interested because you said, we're saying like sometimes you get, you know, you go to the bed and pull your uh, sheets over your head. And I think, I mean, I think most creative people, even like, you know, the, everybody, anyone good at what they do, I think has those moments. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure even John Lennon at times was like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> He must have. Well, he, he, he sometimes when I see those pictures of him with his beard and his glasses, I'm like, wow, he really is. That's basically the equivalent of hiding under your blanket. Yeah, that, that, that kind of beard and hair. But um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, I think you're. It's true. If you're trying to do things that you haven't done before, it's going to be scary. Um. There's probably a lot of people that start to rest on their laurels, you know, and it's not that scary. It's kind of just easy. I don't know who those people are, but I know they're out there. And I want their life. <laughs> <laughs> but what usually sends you, uh, is it anything specific? Like, is it, because I know, like, if I fail at something, uh, that fucking sticks with me forever. Yeah, that's that part. You have to really be in denial about that stuff. Yeah, I. Um, I wonder is that is if as artists there are uh, there's just a huge denial <laughs> mechanism like it's a little bigger than everybody else's. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, maybe we're more capable of fantasy, so that's kind of a form of denial. Um, but what were you saying? Is there a specific thing that sends me under the blankets? Yeah. Um, well, lately I was, you know, like I've been writing this short, uh, some scripts for some short films, um, trying to make like a sort of a feature length that would be kind of a string of short films, uh, glued together, you know, kind of like, um, a Jim Jarmusch movie or something like that, I guess. Um. And I was writing it, and I was, I was writing these cool ideas, these cool ideas of like what would happen, and and um, what would happen to this character, and you know he's driving, and then this, and there's an accident, and then blah blah blah, and he sees this, and I, and and I was taking very, taking a lot of care in um, trying not to write something that I couldn't go out and shoot myself, you know. Like, I wasn't like, helicopter shot comes in, you know. Um, but even that, I, even having said that, I was, like, looking at what I was writing. I was like, how the fuck am I going to do this? I don't know any actors. I don't know any cinematographers. I don't know how to even focus a camera. You know, like, I don't even know what... I'm, I'm even just talking about it is making me scared. I think I might have to go... <laughs> Get in the- lie down. Uh, yeah, but you'd be you'll be amazed when you actually start seeking uh, those things out. How many of those p- 
people come out of the woodwork and are willing to uh, to participate. I mean, that happens around here a lot. Where are you? Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've been meeting some people um, here and there in L.A., but um, even then, it's kind of like uh, they're kind of interested up to a point, and then it's, there's always kind of a brass tax part where it's like, well, how much time is this going to take, and, and you know, how much are you going to pay me, and all that stuff. And that's why I was, I'm always like, uh, no. <laughs> 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 and then I don't hear from them again. <laughs> That's where you tap into your uh, your fans. You, know, you just you take advantage of your because you probably have a lot of fans who are actors. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I gotta tap in. Yeah, well, and you know, tap in. go to go after the college kids because I like that. Yeah, just, just comb the high schools, just hang out, <laughs> parking lot. Yeah, get, try to recruit like. <laughs> Where do you go to just just find actors that will just be in anything, no matter that when you have no credibility and 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 you don't know anything and you, or even haven't even bought a camera yet, and they're like, yes, I'll do it. You could do, you know, people. People. I always wonder though, because they always say how that uh, Searching for Sugar Man movie was. Uh, shot on an iPhone and I'm like there's a crane shot in that film there's like no fucking way he had it's like he got the crane but he sat on top of it with his iPhone that whole thing is a lie anyway that documentary is it really you well you uh you do a lot of stuff with Kelly Stoltz and I actually saw Rodriguez play and I was my friend was like I think that's Kelly Stoltz on the keyboards Uh, yeah yeah Kelly um has toured with him and stuff and and actually, my bass player Ryan and Kelly were all set to go on tour with them recently, and they, you know, they went and met him in New York, and he was he was kind of psycho, and they ended up not playing with him. It's a, lo- a long, sort of confusing, unfortunate story that it's probably not mine to tell, but uh-huh. it sounded sounded like. Um, you know the the documentary almost made him out to be like a saint and i think <laughs> i think he's kind of a real human being with you know with with weird stoner problems and all kinds <laughs> of shit you know <laughs> yeah i mean it's uh you know and you start to think about all these documentaries that are made it's like and the string section comes in right at this point and they want to sort of manufacture heroism and sentimentality and and all of a sudden it doesn't, it's not really a documentary a- anymore it's more of a um you know it's a feel good movie in a way it is it's and it's easy to sort of project your own <clears throat> you know like oh we all win in the end type of nonsense yeah it's interesting because my friend uh, Dan Aid, who plays with Cass McCombs, was supposed to be one of those dudes. I think uh, going it, it, maybe it was a different uh, grouping of people, but like Dan. What was his name? Dan Aid. I don't think he was in this uh, in this particular scenario, but he maybe. What did he? Did he have the same thing to say? Did he, he said, have? He said he was supposed to go and play uh, at Coachella was going to be the first gig with uh oh yeah yeah he was like one of the replacements 
after, you know, replacement dudes after the snafu with Kelly and all those guys. But Kelly's kind of played with him for a while, didn't he, or no? I don't know. I don't know all the... I, I, I'm actually, I, I don't. I mean, I, I kind of been on the periphery of that whole thing. I've, I know all the... All the um, characters involved, but I don't. I've, I've never gotten a full, the full money on like uh, everything. And Shade too, uh, you know, from the Fresh and Onlys. Those, those guys all toured with um, Rodriguez like more than anybody else as well. So they know him fairly, fairly intimately, as even more. And uh, they'll they'll let some stories go. And I'm I, I'm like on the sidelines, like trying to put it. I'd like to do the the documentary of the documentary would be pr- pretty good. <laughs> what really what re- what really happens behind behind the documentary? Yeah, it's a, it's because I I I drink the Kool Aid with that film, and I I and I do like a lot of the the music, but it's just like I you know you want it to be you want that to be real. Yeah, you do, don't you? I mean, not you, but one does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not at all. Oh. Well, we're, I, I hope we're breaking a lot of hearts with this tale. <laughs> Let's... Yeah. What other, what other stories can we, can we ruin? Uh, yeah, we could start picking apart the Bible right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we know that one doesn't end well. So. <laughs> Um, so, are there any other than the uh, the film? Have you ever actually scored any films, or is that something else that you would like to pursue? Is scoring things? Yeah, I'd love to pursue pursue that. I've been listening to a lot of film scores lately, so I'm particularly inspired to do that. I uh, I made a movie once. Um, it was kind of like the novel. I think it was a failure. And I'll never let anybody see it. But um, it was pretty hilarious. I, I wrote it and I directed it, and and I ended up having to act in it because the lead actor bailed like the morning of the first day of shoot. But um, and uh, again, I, I sort of like I was so I was, I was so not into being the lead actor and learning all the lines that I kind of made my character like kind of a mute. <laughs> <laughs> I like that that's your common choice of when you don't. <laughs> <laughs> when I don't want to do it, I just make make him a mute. It's, uh, yeah, I, I've, I did a lot of theater and any t- I've never ever really felt comfortable acting. It's a, it's a horrible Horrible thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, I think I'd, I, I acted. I've acted in a couple short films, and it wasn't horrible. I liked it, but um, you know, somebody if if there was a director, if, if the director just told me, you know, helped me along, told me what to do, it was fine. Um, but um, but having to be the director and the actor seemed like it was over my head at the time. I wasn't capable of doing both. It just taxed me too much, so I, I think it kind of the piece, the thing suffered. But yeah, I did. I did the 
same thing once, and all I kept thinking was, uh, "Is like how the fuck has Woody Allen done this like for thirty, forty years?" Like I, I'm like, it's it's maddening. Yeah, yeah, and I was just watching some real early movies movie of his, and it was um, it was so bad. I mean, it was so good. It was called Love and Death. I think it's like not even people don't even know about it because it was kind of like one of his earliest. Um, but it was kind of nice to see because it was like wow, he had humble he had humble beginnings too as a as a director and an actor. You know what I mean? He started somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like he played again. Sam is there's and I'm a huge huge fan of his but this even that film it's like there's moments that are so slapsticky and it just made me cringe <laughs> it was like it was really kind of bad yeah yeah well i've been watching the first movies of a lot of famous people trying to sort of like uh you know if you if you're going to make something and you're kind of out of your um comfort zone it's not a bad idea, you know. It's one of the worst things to do is to watch, you know, um, you know. Sometimes I don't know. I'm trying. I can't really seem to explain it right now. But you know, like if you're if you're building a car, you don't want somebody to drive up in a Bentley, you know, while you're working on your car. You know, you're building your first car. It really makes you feel bad. You're like, fuck this shitty kit that I got in the mail is never going to look like that. <laughs> so it's the same for art. You know, like if you're working on your short story or whatever, it's, it's, it can be really, um, uh, you're really vulnerable at that time. It's not a great idea to go read, you know, a Henry Miller book or something be like, fuck, I'll never do this. I'll never be able to do this, you know? And the same goes for, music if i'm working on a song i really don't want to go listen to a beach boys track or something you know it's just too per- perfect and it kind of it can really take the wind out of your sails so lately I, anyway lately i've been watching some first movies of like i watched gus van sant's first movie and spike lee's first movie and i've been having some fun and you kind of see these movies, you're like, wow, it's not totally untangible, you know, like, you can see where they started. Yeah. Cameras are handheld, and and, 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 and scripts are, are not perfectly tight, and, you know, you realize that it's, it's, the, the technical ability was, was obviously there, but not, not totally there yet, but be, before all the technical ability they had... You know, they just had some magic. They, they, there was a lot of love in there. And, Milos, uh, Milos Forman's first film is pretty fucking amazing. And then I think... What's that one? Loves of a Blonde. Oh, I'll I, I have to watch that. It's great. It's, uh, yeah, I actually want to rewatch it. But then I feel like some people start off really strong and then really peter out. <laughs> Like yeah, well, what, what? Yeah, that's another topic to investigate. What's up with that? There was, there was, um, there. Yeah, the New Yorker did, uh, and I just love to say that that I read the New Yorker because it makes me sound smarter than I am. But <laughs> they did a piece on late bloomers, actually, and how many? I, like some artists, like a lot of their that what they're famous for, uh, and I 
wish I could remember their goddamn names, but I did too many drugs in my young days. Um, but, you know, they, they petered out, and then there was uh, guys, I think Rembrandt was one of them, who, like, didn't really hit it until their 30s and 40s, and that's when they just kind of, like, meandered around. And then, then the work we know of theirs, uh, you know, and that gave me great hope. <laughs> sure, of course. Of course. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why people uh, peak early, huh? I don't, what is, what's up with that? I don't know. Maybe they just get, uh, they don't challenge or, you know. They... Well, when, I think maybe if you get successful, I could see how that could really take it out. Take, 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 the, take the fire out. Because, I mean, like, why would you go write uh, some important song if you can sit by the pool and have a cocktail? I, you know what I mean? Like, well, I've I, often thought, like, if, if I made a bunch of money, I'd be like, all right, I'm, I'm going to off to Paris. <laughs> Off to get drunk in other countries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see how, it, it, yeah, it could sneak up on you, I guess. But, you know, you, what, what you were saying about uh, Henry Miller, like, oh, yeah, I don't want to read Henry Miller, he felt the same way about Dostoevsky. Like, that was his, so there's always, like, even that guy, Miller, was like, oh, I'll never be this good. I think that's just an endless circle. Oh, wow, yeah. Well, who did Dostoevsky have? That's uh, I, I'm not that smart. He <laughs> <laughs> was like, I'll never be like God. <laughs> I think I think so. And yeah, I mean your uh, your music's incredible. I'm sure there's guys who listen to you, and uh, I, I have a number of musician friends who who love your stuff, and uh, I, they, I think they feel that way about you. Wow, that's thrilling. That makes me feel better. <laughs> no, I mean not to sound like a ass kissy fan guy but i mean i i i got uh, mildly obsessive i mean that's my i do that with a lot of things but I, I really just couldn't stop listening to your stuff go on <laughs> no i'm just kidding i <laughs> i appreciate that um but let's not go there okay uh, it makes me self-conscious to think even that people are out there enjoying it yeah I mean, I, uh, anytime anybody, and it's incredibly rare, anytime they say something nice about me, I get really uncomfortable. Yeah, I wonder what that's all about. Like, uh, I'm getting this to be liked. Uh, I mean, I did. Uh, yeah. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, it's a, I, did, I think, too, it's like, a, at least for me, it's a very working class background where it's like, you didn't, this, this was, these kind of uh, lives weren't even entertained. Like, it was... You're, like they were just my some of my family was like no it's like no you don't do that you don't do what like the arts or you don't you don't yeah you don't be, you don't do that it's like we're we're supposed to lay asphalt and drive trucks it's like maybe they were right i don't know that's how sometimes how i, I think feel so. sometimes. um but uh i, I guess uh, we can uh wrap this up but but real quickly just hit Cra- craigslist and find actors and performers and if you put out ads people will respond to those for your film wow really craigslist yeah it's not just for weird sex <laughs> <laughs> that's too bad yeah I... uh, do you know a lot of you must know a lot of actors through through your travels uh, I do. I was trying to, and I know. I mean, I know a lot of uh, comedians as well. I mean, you never know. I, there's uh, people who uh, I know that would possibly do it. 
and some. Do you, do, you, do you act as well? I do. Hmm. I mean, I, I I did theater for a long time in Chicago. Uh, I'll send you the script. All right, I would be. Uh, uh, I would be honored. <laughs> all right. Ah, oh, we got real show busy there. <laughs> Um, is, uh, well, is, is there any any other questions you had written down, or as our time? Our time has. Uh, I was going to ask if you uh, just if you could uh, plug your various uh, sites and like. I'm sure you have a you do have a Twitter because I follow you and uh, and where people can find your music and work. Uh, well, I have a website, Sunny and Sunny Smith dot com, basically. Um, that's probably the best place to start. As for plugging things, I um, I don't have much to plug really. I, I, I uh, there's a compilation record coming out that of of Bay Area bands that I was I, I curated basically, and uh, it's coming out November 21st. It's called I Need You Bad, and it's a bunch of Bay Area bands. There's a couple bands from L.A. and Portland and stuff like that too but um, I don't know just a just a fun record of of, of bands that I thought weren't really uh, that maybe could have a little light shined on them that's great there's so many great bands out of the Bay Area these days aren't there yeah yeah well San Francisco seems like it's diminishing but Oakland is just growing so much and I think San Francisco ends up kind of stealing the credit for a lot of bands that actually just where people actually actually live in Oakland and they get they get called San Francisco bands but but if you if you say the Bay Area in general yeah I think it's it's amazing do you know uh, and I might fuck up his name Buckminster what's his name he's kind of a poet and a performer up there his name is Buckminster? I, th- I mean, I don't think it's his real name. I, I know... Um, I don't know him. The OCs, like, on one of their sleeves of their albums, uh, say to buy one of his books. and Because uh, he's a big performer. and He could probably hook you up with... I don't really know him well. I'll find out his name, and I'll... Because uh, he knows a lot of performer people. He could probably help you with your film project. I'll look him up. And... All right. Well, uh, so people check out your website and buy your music and uh, come see your shows. I want to thank you very much for taking out the time to do this. I, I really enjoyed it and was uh, quite flattered you did so. So thank you. Sure, man. I enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Please check out the other shows at feralaudio.com. Uh, there's a lot of really great shows. So please, 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 please do that. And uh, I'll see you hopefully next week. It's going to be a really interesting show with uh, Doug Messner's coming back to talk about some uh, repressed memory bullshit and how it is bullshit. Thank you.
grant of the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. <laughs> the NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.